As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, that they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the word of the Lord commanded us, saying, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of God. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of God was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men in the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and they drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went up to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Please be seated. Let's ask God's blessings to be upon us. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gospel. And we thank you, Lord, that the gospel has been spreading throughout the world since the early days of the New Testament church. I do ask you to be with us and be with me as I would expound this text briefly and pray that you would bring it to bear upon your people, upon this congregation, and would pray as well that we may be informed uh, anew of the propriety of giving thanks to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This day, as you gather with your family and you gather with your friends and you have the, the uh, table spread before you, and you begin to be, perhaps, uh, as Melinda's tried to make us do in the past, uh, share things for which we are grateful at the dinner table. It has not always worked out very well. But uh, nonetheless, and I'm sure if you were asked, you would say uh, different things, uh, family, uh, your job, uh, marriage, whatever the case may happen to be, health, those things that uh, we don't realize how precious they are until they begin to be taken away from us. We tend to take our health for granted until something happens to us. So we have all sorts of things that we're thankful for in our lives, but the thing that's pointed out in this text in the book of Acts is the thing that we should be thankful for. Whatever else may be happening in your life is to be thankful for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we approach God, uh, I want to... Take a moment to think about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Christ, as he teaches his disciples how to pray, begins that by saying, Our Father. He lets us know that we can have the kind of relationship with God that he had, as Christ called God his Father. So we can, through Christ, call God our Father as well. It shows the closeness of the relationship. And then he goes on to say, Which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And... That God in the opening of the Lord's Prayer is adored and worshipped as holy. I think that in so many cases in the church in these days, God has been so humanized that we fail to remember just how holy and righteous he is. 
Yet as Christ begins uh, this prayer, um, one of the first things he does is talk about the fact that God is holy and to be honored as holy in our lives. And I want to read this quote to you. This is from J.I. Packer when he talks about which art in heaven. The vitality of prayer lies largely in the vision of God that prompts it. That's very good. The vitality of prayer lies largely in the vision of God, which prompts, in other words, do you see God as one who is high and holy? Do you see God as one who is the creator of all things, uh, the one who is unapproachable except through Christ? Well, again, the vitality of prayer lies largely in the vision that prompts it. So here as we go back to the text in the book of Acts, we see that thankfulness is displayed at the hearing of the gospel in verse 48, and Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust to decide an unworthy of eternal life. And he quotes the Old Testament scriptures, and it is that uh, there was a certain joy that God was working. Uh, when we preach the gospel, my brother-in-law's here uh, this morning. He is also a PCA pastor in Lubbock, about to be in Memphis, Texas. Memphis, Texas. You'd know there's a Memphis, Texas, did you? Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, but when we preach, uh, we desire God to bless that word that's preached. Uh, we long to see people's lives change. We want to see people that are not Christians become Christians and people that are Christians be encouraged. And when we see that happening, there is a joy that is had, experienced in the life of the minister. When he sees God's blessing, his work, blessing the word that the pastor is preaching. And there's joy here by the disciples when they see the scriptures being fulfilled. When Christ was born and throughout the work of Christ, his life and death and resurrection, I don't know how many Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled, but a bunch of them. And the Old Testament was all about pointing to and the Lord Jesus Christ to come and accomplish that work of redemption. And we also see in this text that it was God's plan all alone for the gospel and the words of uh, salvation not to be contained to the Jews, but throughout the world. It certainly includes Jews and Gentiles. And the disciples are rejoicing as, again, they see God fulfilling his word and keeping his promise. And you notice these words here, as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Salvation rests upon God's grace. And it says here, people were appointed to eternal life. This is the doctrine of election uh, that the Presbyterian Church believes and teaches because it's in the Bible. And it's in the Bible in quite a few places, not just this place, but throughout in Romans chapter 9. Uh, it is very clear there, that doctrine of election. And we hear people say, well, it's not fair. Why didn't he save everybody? And the quest answer to that is, uh, why does he save anybody? Why did he show grace to anybody? It is his great love and compassion that he shows grace. So here, as many as were appointed to eternal life, believe. So again, rejoicing because of God's faithfulness, his electing purpose is coming to fulfillment in and through the gospel being preached. And there should be gratitude in our lives for the grace, if you're a Christian, for the grace that you experience in your life by coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see, too, these men being joyful for suffering for the cause of the gospel. Uh, we don't like to suffer. 
We don't like to be uh, put out. And yet these men here had such an understanding of the importance of the gospel that though it cost them pain and it cost them uh, discomfort, they nonetheless, they praised God for that. That they were able to serve God and faithfully serve him even in the midst of great turmoil and difficulty. John Calvin said, they suffered and hurt, but when they considered the cause, joy got the upper hand. The cause of their suffering was the gospel being preached and the gospel being accepted by people, people coming to faith in Christ. It was a cause and an occasion for joy for them. So as we gather at the table today with our families and we celebrate Thanksgiving and Historically, in this country, Thanksgiving was a day for thanking God. That's what it was historically. Uh, and I, I told the congregation last week that there was a, a man in the church who went to have lunch with his sister or supper with her. And she prayed and she thanked the rain, and she thanked the soil, and she thanked the sun, sunshine, and she thanked about everything except God. And she was not a believer. And yet God is the one who controls the rain and the sunshine and holds the planet in its orbit. God does all of these things. In the book of Hebrews, it says he upholds the creation by the word of his power. The risen Christ does. So great is our God and so powerful and that we should be in awe of him and be grateful to him for his goodness to us. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, we do pray that you would bless us with the grace that we would need to give you thanks for all the good things that you have done for us. We have what we have, not by chance, but by your ordering, by your working, by your blessing. And we thank you for those things that you do for us. We pray as we assemble today that we might remember that what we have before us comes to you. It comes to us according to your, your, your hand, your power, your goodness and kindness to us. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. We thank you for your love in Christ's name. Amen.